Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. And this is the second session of the five love languages. Hope everybody enjoyed last week. That was a fun fun and real time together and uh, well, welcome welcome tonight and those in the back feel free to come a little closer if you want to no pressure uh, we moved in here because it was very crowded in the other session and we did not uh, want you to feel cramped in that room and um, the book of Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 25 tells us, and uh, if you have your Bible and you're turning there, I'll wait on you. How many of you have purchased the book or you own the book? How many have read the book or you own the book? And uh, um, very, very impactful. And I do want to say to those here that whether you're married or going to be married or you're married or, and um, uh, this does much more than just help you with the person you're married to. And even though maybe you've chosen this, maybe you have children and there is a one for children and, and teenagers, uh, a lot of the principles are going to be covered in this session because people are people. I was dealing with a pastor from out of town the other day and on the phone I learned that he was needing affirmation. And I would have never understood that without the principles of this book. And uh, finding what comforts him, I could tell that on the phone he was reaching for that. And uh, I learned that through this. So no matter who you're dealing with, uh, your children, your parents, uh, your siblings, certainly your spouse, or in the business world, people you work with, you're going to learn that everybody has a love language. And so it should be our job, as my wife said so capably last week, we should seek to learn the language of our spouse. How many know that is true? Learning their language, which, is, which can be as foreign to you as speaking Spanish or Cantonese. But if you love that person, I have seen people before that they had a child that was born deaf. Uh, or they had a family member that became deaf. And guess what happens with everybody in the family? What do they do? They learn sign language. Why? Because to need the need to communicate, they had to learn the language to communicate with that person. And uh, love and love language is no different. You have to learn their language. Let's stand. Let's ask God's wisdom here tonight to help all of us. Uh, to grow and the whole purpose of this series across the campus is to have excellence in communication whether to God or excellence communication to family or friends let's ask for God's blessing today would you do that Lord we love you we thank you for your word we thank you for our time together Lord talking tonight about five love languages we pray a blessing over this congregation Lord what a tremendous group here that they want to be the best that they can be. They want to become the best they can become. Oh, Lord, with excellence, oh God, in Jesus' name we pray. 
and you may be seated. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 25, it tells us, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. When you begin to study Adam and Eve, I'm just going to do a quick Bible study here for a moment and we're going to get into this uh, survey that you'll take or test about your love language. You'll find that God reached inside of Adam who was made first. And what did he do? He pulled out a rib and from the rib he made Eve. You know what that means? When he removed the rib from Adam, Adam's now not complete. He's incomplete. And what he needs and is missing is where? It's in Eve. And so the Bible says that when they become married, that two become one. Companionship, marriage is God's plan. And so what he is missing, she has. And she has to realize and she knows that what he needs, she has. And when they come together in marriage, it becomes a dynamic, a, ful a fulfillment, a completeness that God designed. And that's why the Bible says when two get married, that they leave their father and their mother and they do what? They cleave. They needed mom and dad, but now they need one another. And so everybody say leave to cleave. And so it becomes a dynamic in a marriage. And so the Bible also does not tell a wife to love her husband. It's not in there. The Bible does not say for a wife to love her husband. It says to teach the women and the young ladies to love her husband. But it commands that a man is to what? Love your wife. Why? Because he is the starter. He is the leader. God designed him to be that. And that she is a responder to his love, his protection, and his stability. Let the church say amen. And so as he loves, then she learns to respond. And so it is not an option for us to love our wives. It's like the one lady said to her husband, she said, I wish you'd say you love me. He said, I told you I loved you when I married you. If I ever changed my mind, I'll let you know. You know, that's just not right. And so taking time to express that is so key, is to love, is to protect, is to care for, is to make sure things are stable for that family. And out of that, she responds with what? She responds with love. And um, so today, love languages, love language. I said last week, I could say all day to my wife, I love you, you're beautiful. I could buy her a nice gift. It's not going to mean anything to her if the van's not clean. If I haven't uh, trimmed the bush out in the front yard. Why? Because her love language is what? It's acts of service. That's what it is. It's acts of service. Are 
Are there any surprises in the room? Huh? You knew it? All right. What, what's her love language since you said you knew it? Receiving gifts? All right. Huh? Yeah, receiving gifts. Did you find out what his was? You don't know what his is yet? All right. What, what, what's, your, what's your love language there? You have, you have two? That means you're bilingual according to the paper. <laughs> Sorry. You gotta learn two languages. How many of you had the same number? Two different ones. High numbers. High numbers. Yeah, all right. Did any of you, any couples in the room have the exact same language? I see one out there. Because they're not married yet. It's going to change. <laughs> You're just trying to put on a show before you get married. Let's just be honest here. Whatever you want. Love is blind, but marriage is an opener. Can I get a witness right now? Yeah. And uh, All right. So below on the page it says your primary love language, after, after you counted, your primary love language is the one that received the highest score. You are a bilingual, Brother Greg, and have two primary love languages if your point totals are equal for any two love languages. If your second highest score love language is close in score but not equal to your primary love language, then this simply means that both expressions of love are important to you. The highest possible score for any one love language is 12. Did anyone have 12? One, two, three. Anybody else have a 12? Four, all right. Well, what does this all mean and how can this be beneficial to my relationship? Are you following along? Your partner may express love in certain ways and it's helpful to understand this about them. In the same way, it will be helpful for your partner to know your love language and express their affection for you in ways that you interpret as love. The payoff to speaking each other's love language is a greater sense of connection. This translates in the better, into better communications, increased understanding, and ultimately improved romance. Come here, Brother Greg and Sister Brooke. Spotlight here. All right, stand up here with Pastor. So let's teach the point. Your love language is? It's gifts. And your love language is? Physical touch and? And quality time. So you had to ask her what the other one was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're equal, right? So... And so, quality time and physical touch. When you try to love Greg, what you're going to do naturally for you is going to what? You're going to buy him something. And if you don't hold his hand, give him a hug, kiss him on the cheek, and, and uh, you know, plan the date and have things for him, the gift's not going to mean anything. You can tell her, I love you all day long hold her hand, give her a hug, tell her she's beautiful. But if you don't get her anything for her birthday and Christmas, 
and Easter and Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, and your anniversary or just because, he said. Yeah, but a card is a gift. And guess what? How many of you in the room were, were gifts, were your love language? You raise your hand. Gifts. Right here. Who else had gifts? It's a love language. All right. How many of you were personal touch? Yeah, a few in the building. And, and um, how about quality time? Let me just see in the room. Quality time. Quality time, he's trying to get another love language. <laughs> you better just stick to the one you have, Brother Mark. Uh, receiving gifts, acts of service. Who were acts of service? Acts of service, yep. All right, thanks, thanks for helping us. And so uh, you can be seated. So if, if it is a lady that likes quality time, I want you to stand. A lady that likes quality time. All right. So all the men in the room, listen up. If she wants quality time, what she wants, she wants you to ask her on a date, and she wants you to get a babysitter, and you to plan where to go, and you to have it reserved instead of asking on her a date, and then she has to put it all together. You can be seated. That's just true. And so ask them about what they want. Here's our problem with marriages here today is we assume what they want and we assume they can what? Read our minds. And have you ever been in that situation? I'm going to help you all right now in an amazing evening of romance here. Just ask them what they want and then just tell them what you want. Don't put it out there that I need surprised. If they really love me, they're going to do this for me. And you've never even told them what your expectations are. So here's your homework between now and next Wednesday. And we're going to cover more of this session of five love languages. You need to go have a conversation about what your love language is, what your expectations are, and... Tell them what you desire. In a marriage, premarital counseling or marriage counseling, one of the things that we teach is that you do not have to agree to have intimacy on any conversation. But what happens is, and intimacy the, 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 is, is the emotion of romance in a relationship. But when you both know, everybody say both know, that you each have been heard and understood, intimacy increases. Everybody say this. When you both know, you've been heard and understood, intimacy increases. And one of the problems in marriage is that we don't feel they're listening to us. We don't feel that they understand us. Why? Because sometimes we're trying to love the way we want to be loved and we're viewing everything through one single lens. But when you sit down and you actually listen and repeat back, and this is something that a lot of people do not do in a marriage, they don't communicate well. And uh, I, had a, I had a couple in my office years ago 
had a couple in my office years ago, and she was on, I mean, I think she had been, this was her fifth marriage, and they were sitting in the chair, husband's quietly over, he hadn't said anything hardly in five weeks. On the fifth week, finally the guy opens up, a tear begins to run, I'm talking about, this was like the statue began to cry. I mean, something finally opened up from the depth and he starts opening up and he begins to express an emotion of connection to her and the family. And he gets about three quarters of the way through his statement of affection, how he loved them and this, and she what? She interrupts him and says, like that right there, and begins to judge what he was saying instead of what? And she began to perceive that he was saying something else than what he was saying. And uh, I had to stop and I said, hold on just a minute. That is not all what he was saying. She said, it's not? I said, that's not at all what he was saying. I said, you came in this counseling session hoping, and the reason we're here is you just hoping he'd open up and when he finally did, you cut him off. And, uh, and, and I could not ever again get him to open up. But I learned as a marriage counselor that moment is that so many times we're not listening to our spouse or people. We're trying to figure out what they're really trying to say instead of just listening to what they're saying. And in a marriage, you've got to listen. What are they really saying? You got to just take them at their what? Take them at their word. They're not trying to snowball you. Maybe everybody else in the past did you wrong, but they're not trying to do you wrong. They're just trying to tell you exactly what they're saying. So when someone is talking to you, there's this thing called assertiveness. Everybody say I. I. That means everybody going down the road after church, probably tonight. You'll say, "I'm hungry." In the country, we say, "We're hungry." We're hungry. I'm hungry. I'm gonna get something to eat. Where you want to go? I don't care where you want to go. I don't care where you want to go. I don't care. Any of you ever experienced that? You know what Cindy tells me? I don't care. It doesn't matter. I said 18 years we've been married, it's always mattered. <laughs> you can say it doesn't matter, but it matters. You know what I do? I'll say, going to Burger King. She hates Burger King. <laughs> Just to make a point. We ain't going to go, you know I don't like Burger King. Well, you said it didn't matter. Can I get a witness from some real people in the room. Assertive people, which is very quiet, is a great asset to have. Assertive people say things like, I'm hungry. Instead of, a non-assertive person would say something like this, are you hungry? <laughs> what they're really wanting to say is, I'm hungry, but I need to get permission that it's okay to get some meat, you know, because what I want really doesn't matter. Assertive people do not start out by saying, you hungry? Yeah, remove you from your conversation. The other day, Sawyer in the house, he's in the house, we're sitting on the couch and we was having a little family time and he, he was going to say something that he wanted, but he said, this is how he starts. Y'all probably won't like what I'm about to say. What I want to do. I said, Sawyer, stop it. In the bounds house, it matters what each of us want. So you start off by saying, I want to or I would like to. 
not, you all probably, I said, that's not a certain, that's not confidence. And I try to teach my children to be confident. Like, I'm not putting up with their shyness. So, so if they come in and they're talking to an adult and I'm standing there and I'm introducing to you or your guest speaker or wherever we are traveling, wherever it is, and they're talking to them, and, and, and Finn does this, you know. He has it now. I'm like, tell him hi. I said, nope. I grab him by the chin. Look him in the eye. And I said, look him in the eye. I said, tell him hi or hello or my name's Finn. You know, I do, I've done that with my kids because I want them to understand that it's okay to be confident. Everybody say confidence. And when you've got to take into marriage confidence, and it's okay to say things like, I'm hungry, and I would like to have a spicy chicken sandwich from number six from Wendy's without mayonnaise, a sweet tea, and a side of fries with sriracha sauce and a little extra ketchup, Amen. you want <laughs> and I think you start off but you've got to make statements I've seen marriages get out of balance because they're afraid to express themselves and I want you to understand it's okay to say I'm not happy I don't like the way I don't like the way you're loving me you know I it's okay in a marriage to say I something's not fulfilled and I, I do want to stop here and say this. You're never going to get out of your spouse what you can only get from God. We'll never get out of your spouse what you'll get from God. You will drive them crazy and cause them to become insecure and you'll be the one that becomes insecure because they can't love you and fulfill you because only God can do that. It's one of the problems in our world right now. They're trying to get out of the marriage what they can only get from God. Amen. And that's good teaching. Get get completeness from God. But then all Adam had, Adam had in the Garden of Eden was God. And he said it's not good enough to be alone. So he gave him a help me. There is still something missing. And so from that, your spouse, and we're talking about marriage here, your spouse completes you. But you've got to learn that they are an individual and learning to communicate with them. And so when they're bringing you a problem, for instance, if a woman has a problem and they all have a problem, and so does every man in the room. All the men thought they were getting out of it. We're all going to have a problem, right? So you know what a man does when he has a problem? He goes alone. He leaves conversation. He goes to the garage. He goes and works on something. He goes outside and mows at night. He goes to shovel snow. He, 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 he disappears maybe with a remote in his hand. But he leaves to process the problem all what? By himself. When a lady has a problem, for the most part, not in every case either way, but when a lady has a problem, what does she do? <laughs> you know, there's an element of truth to that, you know. <laughs> she's going to tell you about it. She's going to talk through it. Everybody say she's going to talk through it. And, uh, if you have your individual problem, and uh, well said, well said. And, uh, but she can have her own problem that's dealing with her family. The problem is if you're the problem she has. You know, she is going to follow you around telling you about it, you know. But 
If she has her own problem, maybe it's at work, it's with one of the children, it's with her mom, it's with a sibling, and she's talking to you about her problem. You know what, ladies, you know what happens when you hand a problem to your husband? God designed him to fix problems. So you're talking about the problem. He's saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I do. I think your mama's crazy anyhow. You know, you know, your sister's always got on my nerves. And, and, and when, when she's having a problem with her mom or she's having a problem with sibling and she's just expressing that she's having these concerns and then all of a sudden he starts giving his opinion and now she's like, you don't like my mama? You mean you don't like my sister? I mean, she's got the gloves up. She's ready to defend her own family. You done brought the insult. I'm going to tell you what to do, men. If the lady brings you a problem, you don't have to do anything. I'm going to say it better than that. You better not do anything. You just listen to her and you say, so your mom said this, your brother said this, your the boss said this, really. And you just repeat back to them and let them know that you heard them. I'm going to tell you what doesn't work when she's talking about her problem. Are y'all ready for this? That's my remote. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah? It doesn't work that way. You are not helping them by going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got your newspaper out? Yeah. Doesn't work. Attention. And you repeat back. Can I get a witness from the ladies here tonight? That was pretty weak. I thought it'd be like a standing applause for the teaching tonight. Yeah. But you don't solve the problem until she says, what should I do? <laughs> you know what? This is going to be our guest speaker next week. Yeah. <laughs> and you do. And at that moment, you solve and you help and you give advice. But when a lady's dealing with a problem, what do you do? You become the sounding board until. I had a situation one time, honestly saved a marriage. Is they were separated. She didn't feel like he cared because where was he when they had the same problem? He's always leaving the house and she's following him. And she came to me and uh, was talking about, I just don't feel like he cares. And I, one simple statement, I said, you know that men solve problems alone and women solve problems by talking him out? She said, really? I said, yeah. And I said, you know, when you was chasing him, telling him about all the problems, I said, you were pushing him away. I said, because he was trying to find time to solve it. You wouldn't let it go. I said, he has to have time alone. I just kept telling him he didn't care. I said, I know that's what you told him. I said, it wasn't that he didn't care. He had to have time separated because men are different. And you ladies say, you're such a guy. Right? That's what women say. But he is such a guy. God designed him different. <laughs> Brother Rob, <laughs> with your Dukes and Hazard horn up here on the front row. <laughs> but God designed a man different than a lady. And so in communication, as I close here tonight, is here's the fact. You both have the problem. 
it's a serious issue between you and your spouse. You do not have to agree to have intimacy. You just both have to be heard and know that you both have been understood and intimacy increases. Just knowing that the other person took time to listen to me. Uh, let's talk about one thing before we go. Uh, one or two minutes here. Everybody say avoidance. You cannot get through the marriage and have avoidance, meaning that every time there's a problem, you avoid everything. You have to face the facts. A healthy couple would make statements like this. Man, we love each other. We can talk about what? We can talk about anything. We can talk about everything. That's usually not the case. There's always something there. And uh, let's say the guy likes motorcycles and he they've got a budget. There's no room to buy a motorcycle, but he comes home from work and, and he saw a motorcycle and it was, it was the latest model that there is out there. And he comes home and said, oh, honey, I saw the nicest, sweetest, chrome-handled Harley-Davidson. I don't know all the stuff on the motorcycles. I'm not into them. You can tell. But. And she said, you know we can't afford no Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Why are you talking about that? He wasn't asking to buy it. He just has to talk about it. And what happens is if you sting him on something that he likes, and that's one thing if he's secretly out there buying one on the side, you know, I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is he likes it from the abundance of the heart, the mouth, from the language of the person they're going to talk. And so he talks about it. But if you snip at him and snap at him on things like that, you know, if I was walking down the street and I passed a certain tree down here on Echo Avenue and every time I passed a tree, a bee flung out and stung me, if that happened the first time, I'd probably go past that tree. But the second time I went in the stomach, on the third time I'm going to the other side of the street. And so what happens is in the marriage, the guy or the lady will not talk about things they love because why? They get stung every time they talk about something they like. Does that make sense? I had one guy told me that was trying to save his marriage. He said she would come to me and talk about the boots she wanted. Her love language was gifts. They were gifts. And uh, she came and she said, she had a, a uh, uh, she said, I'd really like to buy these. He's telling me this after the marriage is built. He's trying to save me. He said, she came to me. She said, look at these pair of boots. I love these boots. There's, he said, I looked at her and I said, you know we can't afford those boots. He said, I flew out the next day to go to buy a hobby car up in another state to drive it back to work with me. Misunderstood. I mean, it was, he's not listening. He, he's not paying attention. And, and, and after a period of time of ignoring the person and what they like, I'm not talking about problems, I'm talking about likes right now. They're going to talk to somebody about things they like. They should be able to talk to their spouse about things they like in life. Can you say amen? And so what you don't want to do is when they're just opening up their hearts, they're talking about life. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's, maybe it's something they want to do. Maybe it's where they want to live. And it has nothing to do with the budget. They're not asking to buy something they can't afford. You should have to learn to what? Listen and don't sting them because the atmosphere should be created is that we can talk about what? Somebody say anything. 
Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to go on a date. Everybody said date. Now, if you immediately said, we can't afford that, they make this thing called a dollar menu. <laughs> a dollar menu, they do. And uh, you can go somewhere and talk. Uh, you can even get a cheap cup of coffee and go somewhere. But what I'm saying is you need to sit down and talk about what's your love language. And probably, and I'll end on this, probably the greatest compliment outside of my wife saying, I do, was on our anniversary one year, she looked at me and she said, holding hands across the table at the outback. She probably ordered a filet and I ordered a ribeye. I'm hungry. And she says to me, watch this, what can I do to be a better wife to you? I reached in my Rolodex on my phone. No, I didn't reach in the Rolodex on my phone with a list of things she could do. I simply said, nothing. But for her simply to ask the question, wanting to say, I want to be pleasing to you. That's right. And why can't we do this in a marriage as every now and then? I've asked people before that are married. I've asked people before that's been married a few years, long years. What's her favorite color? And they couldn't tell me. Decades married that didn't know the spouse's favorite color. And he knew it, but it was 15 years ago changed. Y'all hear me? Let's all stand. I'm going to pray for you. Study. Study your spouse. How many have enjoyed the evening? Yeah, how many enjoyed the evening? And so uh, make sure that your marriage is healthy. Communication is excellent. So where you're, you're loving your, your spouse to the best of your ability because you've learned exactly their language. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Lord, we love you. Thank you, God, for this amazing group this evening. Lord, we want to have strong marriages because it makes strong families. Strong families make strong churches. And strong churches make strong communities which impact the world. I'm asking you, God, a blessing to be up over these amazing people that when they go on this date in the next week, they're going to talk about what they learned tonight and how their marriage could be improved and their marriage could be better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. If you have any questions, I'll be up here. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.